is that time of the week, whether it's a bank holiday weekend or a regular weekend. The gardening programme here on Midwest Radio. You're very welcome along, Porrick. Good, good morning, morning to Deirdre. You. Good morning. Good morning. How are you on, great. on this bank holiday weekend? Great. great after a great week, really. Last weekend was beautiful, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness. We had, uh, in our particular neck of the woods, there were some communions on and people just had such a great weekend yeah. because the weather just Could not have been played its part to the nth degree. No, it, it was really brilliant. was fabulous. And, and that I, bit of rain and Wednesday, I think, was welcomed as well. You know, things were beginning to dry up. The heat, if anything, was probably too too strong. Things were beginning to dry up very rapidly. And uh, you could see the soil beginning to crack and the lawns beginning to shrink. And so I think the, the rain, certainly on Wednesday, was welcomed. Um, and we got a nice drop of rain we as did. well. We did, yeah. So. I, I, I think I missed the forecast. And I think I got up on Thursday morning and everything was really wet. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, and then it was kind of a, a sort of a murky day on Thursday. I remember going out walking on Thursday evening and... Uh, there was a power of snails everywhere. Yeah, slugs and snails yeah. have absolutely. I mean, we haven't really seen them with the you know with a couple of dry days, but once the the murky weather and that damp weather comes out, they're normally nocturnal. They're normally coming out in the cool of the evening and nighttime and feed during the nighttime. But now they've been feeding for the last forty eight hours, um, and you know when you get that very humid weather, you get lots of slug and snail activity. They really enjoy it. So for people putting out bedding plants or young vegetable plants or herbs or any kind of small tender plant, host for example at the moment are in coming into full leaf at the moment and they're relished by slugs and snails so do keep an eye uh, on your more tender plants or mm. plants that are more susceptible to slug and snail damage and, and take the appropriate either use the organic treatment the slug death or use some bear traps or the traditional uh, slug pellets but do take some control because there are lots of them lots of them at the moment. The other thing to mention is that it's, yep. ver- it's very blight weather at the moment and I'm surprised that I was just watching the forecast, watching Met Aaron for, to see whether they're going to issue a, a blight mm. warning which they did about two weeks ago right. for, particularly for the Munster area um, but this is real blight weather where you get 24 hours of, of wet, dampish weather and the temperature above 10 to 12 degrees Celsius and we're up about 15, 16 degrees at the moment. That's typical blight weather. So my advice really is to anyone with potatoes and they will be through the soil at this stage, they'll be possibly a foot high, 15 inches high. Some of them may be coming close to flowering. Now is the time to put some uh, protection on your potatoes. So today is going to be a dry day. We're promised rain tomorrow and Monday. So my advice really is if you get an opportunity today, uh, protect your potato plants and tomato plants with a dressing of, if you only small few, small mm. few plants, use the Bordeaux mixture which is very good or if you've got a bigger area, use um, a treatment called Promoximil which is used by the, by the growers. It's a systemic uh, treatment for potato blight uh, so it enters into the system of the plant and gives you up to about two to three weeks of protection so it's a better so as the potatoes are growing which they're actively growing at the moment with the, with this sort of weather um, the, that treatment will move into the top young growth and protect the plants from within so that's a treatment called Promoximil um, my advice is, is, is to spray your potatoes today and use the use the the, uh, the the opportunity of the dry weather because it is back to wet weather over the next couple of days. And in my book, it's it's really a lot of blight weather around at the moment. The other thing I would say is mildew. Okay. Mildew has raised its head. I've seen it on a lot of roses at the moment. And mildew is this type of plant or disease that spreads onto lots of different plants: lupins, maple trees. Uh, roses are very susceptible to, to to mildew. And it's funny enough, it's it's a pathogen that attacks. It's a different type of mildew that attacks different types of plants. So sweet pea can get it, and the mildew on sweet pea won't necessarily spread to your lupin plant. It's a different variety of powdery mildew that attacks different types of plants. But the same 
same conditions, this murky, dryish mm. weather that we had, uh, particularly if plants are under stress, if they're growing in pots, if they're growing against a wall, um, if they're only in, in, under any form of stress, you will get mildew. Now, I've seen it on roses, a lot of roses this year have it, and I'm attributing that to the dry weather we had in March, the two weeks of very dry weather, um, where roses were growing very strongly, and the disease started then, and the moist weather since then has certainly... um, you know, it's accelerated. Yeah. yeah, mildew is very distinctive. It's it's called powdery mildew because it's like if you shook flour onto the leaves. It's that white deposit, fungal deposit, particularly on the young tips of plants, the growing tips of plants. And what it does essentially is rob the moisture and nutrition out of the leaves of the plants, and really it retards the growth of the plants. So right. my advice, if you've got roses in the garden, or you've got lupins, or any plant that's susceptible to powdery mildew. Use a fungus clear, which is a, a ready-to-go uh, fungicide that you can simply just apply to the foliage and it will stop and reverse um, powdery mildew. Or use something like rose clear that we use on roses right. um, on your ornamental plants to protect them. So it's that type of weather, Deirdre, where we're seeing a lot of blightish, mildewy, uh, fungal-type diseases. Love this type of, where you get heat and moisture and high humidity. Um, they absolutely relish, like the slugs, <laughs> they relish this type of weather. Right. And spread onto plants. So get out into the garden, I suppose, over the weekend. Have a look at your plants. Look for the early signs of mildew. My advice really is to take, to prevent it. So I would go ahead and, and use the rose clear or the fungus clear on your roses or on lupins. Delphiniums are often affected. Sweet pea, as I mentioned. Maple trees, the sycamore, anything in the sycamore family, very susceptible, particularly the purple-leafed um, crimson king can get mildew. And, and it destroys the plant because it, well, it doesn't destroy the plant, but it destroys it for this year in right. terms of its look because powdery mildew is very hard to get rid of once it comes onto the plants. And um, just it has that white dis- powdery uh, appearance on the foliage and the plant just stops growing the rest of the year. Okay, so, you know, so you, it's quite distinctive if it is there because <clears throat> you'll be able to spot it. Very distinctive. We're hitting it at the early stages. It, it generally is a problem more at the middle towards the end of July or June, July, August sort of period when we're in the height of the summer. Mm. But because of, I suppose, the type of weather we've been having, but, you know, very, very high levels of heat and then followed by high levels of moisture, moisture mm. you're just getting the, the ideal conditions. So that's just something else to... Um, I suppose just to, to now the other the other thing that people can be doing I was just thinking during the week that um, you know it's a great time of year with the sort of temperatures we're getting for sowing seed in the garden and we tend to sow traditionally think about seed sowing in January February for the bedding plants yeah. but with the high levels of temperatures at the moment it's an ideal time if you want to sow things like um, wallflowers for next year sweet williams double daisies forget me nots primulas the lovely primulas that flower in February and March uh, winter pansies which come into flower October, November, December and flower right through the winter they're the type of plants you can sow from seed at this time of year so a packet of seed will cost you a couple of euro you've got the perfect conditions weather wise get a couple of pots a couple of seed trays and start sowing seed at this time of year because you've got the ideal conditions whereas in January and February we have to bring them indoors yes. and stick them under a radiator and coax them because the temperatures so you've got ideal conditions at the moment for actually germinating a lot of seed um, particularly for plants that you want to flower through the winter and spring of next year 
But if you want a bit of colour this time of year, you could sow a seed of things like English marigolds, calendulas can still be sown directly out into the garden soil and they'll flower around September, October. Okay. Candy tough will be another one. Um, lim- limnanthus, the poached eggplant, will be another great one to sow directly out of doors. So there's lots of seed that you can sow at this time of year in, tr- in trays or in pots, both indoors in a tunnel or greenhouse if you have it, because it'll come on faster, or out directly out of doors in the garden because the soil temperatures are ideal. Shamrock, for example. Okay. You sow yes. shamrock at this time of year for next for March. For next March. Yeah. And you've got the ideal growing conditions and seeds, shamrock seed is available from this from kind of June onwards. You'll get it in garden centres. Um, you can stick it in the post and send it to America <laughs> if you want as well. But it's that, it's that time of year where we don't traditionally think of sowing seed in the middle of the summer. It mm. tends to be thought of more of a spring activity. Yes. But the, so, or the, to, the temperatures at the moment are just superb for sowing seed and they'll germinate within a couple of days I mean sunflower seed for example if you sow it now it will germinate within 7 to 10 days you'll see the plants coming through the soil Okay. as you see the weeds germinating yes the flower seeds will germinate <laughs> just as easy so um, my god the weeds are germinating are. at so, the moment so my advice is to make use of, 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 the, of the weather that we're having keep an eye for the pests and diseases yeah. and, the, and the old slugs and so on and keep an eye on that but also use this time of year for sowing seed taking cuttings also this time of year is a great it's that, it's that time of year we've got those temperatures make use of them Okay, and just um, as we were saying, like today ideally is the day uh, to tackle, you know, the, the blight aspect of things. Absolutely. Because tomorrow it is going to be damp again yeah. and on into Monday. Similarly, with regards to the mildew, is is that a, a dry weather dry requirement weather, yeah. to, to, for yeah. the application? Yeah, if I was to prioritise things, I mm. would say get out and get your potato sprayed. Get get your roses and your lupins uh, sprayed for mildew. Use rose clear or use a fungus clear on them. Um you know, get the lawn trimmed today because tomorrow's going to be it's wet. Too and too right? wet for this, yeah. uh, any weed control that you're doing, if you're doing any, you know, I see there's a lot of questions in about clover and lawns and so on. Any sort of weed control in lawns or any spraying of weed control, do it today because, again, you need the dry weather to, to make it work. And with, with the sort of accelerated growth, weed controls will work very rapidly at this yeah. time of year. Um, so, you know, they're the type of jobs I would, I would certainly... Um, tackle yeah. over the weekend and you do need the dry weather yes to put on the the, the the various controls okay and if you have a bit of extra time then and you've nothing else planned you can start your, so your seed, take some seeds. cuttings yeah. planting I mean the soil conditions are ideal again for planting uh, if you're putting in a hedge or shrubs or trees or bedding plants the soil conditions are just ideal. It could not be better. Great stuff. Now, we have a fair selection of questions in already, right. Porek. I think a lot of people are planning to uh, do some gardening over the weekend, so we uh, might address a few of those first yeah. of all. Uh, and again, if you do have a question for Porek, text is 87 with thanks to CNC Cellular, where switching your landline to Vodafone is easy. You can phone us at 0818 and the email address is garden at midwestradio.com i.e. now it's uh, it's pests that are bothering us first this morning All Cork right. and somebody has noticed that since the warm weather they have a lot of black insects on the walls and pathways uh, and how do they get rid of well, them? Well that sounds like our old friend the, the uh, millipede and yeah. of course millipedes will come out during the during the evening and night time too, particularly after a sunny day, onto the heat of a wall and um, scramble up the wall or on your pathways. So if they're a problem, again, like I said before, they they don't do any damage. They're they're um, if anything, they help to clean up the garden. The 
they eat the old rotting leaves and, and so on. Um, so they don't do a tremendous amount of damage. But if you want to get rid of them, you can use a treatment called Protective C, which is just applied to the walls or the pathways. As soon as the millipede walks onto it, it will kill them off. Um, my advice, if, if, there are, if there's only a handful or a small amount, leave them well enough alone. Once the warm weather... Uh, goes away <laughs> the millipedes will disappear okay, as well right. or sweep them up and move them away yeah. uh, somewhere else into the garden but they're natural garden uh, insects so they're nothing to fear uh, let's put it that way they're not going to do any tremendous damage to your garden and um, I would leave them well enough alone unless they're absolutely unless invading they're really the house bothering yeah, and protective sea will then control that, that treatment that protective sea can be used on things like ants or millipedes or any of those sort of crawling pests that, that you may have in, or insects that you may have in the garden. Okay. Now you did mention that there are a number of questions in relating to lawns yep. today <clears throat> um, and this I would say is indicative of a, a quite a few of them. Somebody sold a new lawn in April of 2011. Now it grew great last summer. It was a lovely lawn. This summer it's full of clover, yellow buttercups and big daisies and they're looking for help. So plenty of colour, plenty <laughs> yeah. of flower colour in the lawn. <laughs> Although they'd rather it just be green <laughs> I think. Well I mean clover, clover in the lawn and, and clover is coming very much the four now because when you get dry weather a couple mm. of dry weather the grass starts to slow down in growth and the clover loves that sort of warm weather and tends to perk up and you see it flowering and, and growing quite vigorously and uh, nearly at the expense of the grass so it's very visible in a lot of gardens at the moment. Now clover is one of those plants that fixes its own nitrogen so it, it can nearly live in gravel or live in sand it's that uh, robust of a plant but it's also indicative of a lawn that needs feeding. So where you get a lawn that's nice and fertile um, clover, because it fixes its own nitrogen, won't mm. live in, in a high fertile uh, soil. So the first thing I would say is clover is very much an indication that the lawn needs feeding. So my first tip would be to feed your lawn over this weekend. And again, with the rain promise tomorrow and Monday, get the feeds on over this weekend. You can get a specific clover lawn weed killer if you wish. Right. If you want to get rid of the clover, um, don't mow it for about three to four days. Allow the clover to grow uh, be quite, you know, f uh, lots of foliage, maybe some flower on it, and then apply the uh, clover lawn weed killer. Um, it's made by Hytrol, but it's a specific, make sure it says clover lawn weed killer on the pack. Mix some water, apply it. Don't mow the grass for about four or five days and the clover will, will, will die away. And that particular treatment will also control creeping buttercup, thistles, daisies. So it'll do everything without damaging the lawn. Okay. And again, a dry day, apply it in a dry day. The more foliage that's on the weed, the better the kill you get. Genuinely, I would recommend putting in a little bit of washing up liquid into the mix just to help to stick it onto the leaf. You tend to get a Burkus clover. You'll often see the, the dew in the morning. It tends to bubble on the leaf. So um, a little bit of detergent helps to get the, the treatment down onto the um, foliage and you get a better kill. And will that also deal with the daisy buttercup issue it's or well, would you need something else? No, 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 no. The, 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 one, the clover, clover lawn weed killer will, will control all broadleaf weeds, right. but it's specifically good on clover. clover. Clover can be quite difficult to, to actually, uh, some of the other lawn weed killers find it difficult to remove it from the... Uh, from the lawn okay. so it can be a little bit persistent and you may need to give it a second application but for the first and foremost it is a sign that your lawn needs feeding that's the first thing I would say so just by killing off the clover doesn't mean that you know if you don't actually feed the lawn mm. then you're going to get clover back into the lawn at some stage again okay so, so application to kill first and then feed. yeah or, or you, you could feed you could feed first if you want okay. because that will also help the other weeds to start to perk up and you tend to get a better kill with the more foliage that's on the weed so I would nearly feed first and you can use just a straight lawn feed a spring and summer feed apply that give it a couple of days and then put on your 
your clover treatment and that will see the clover and all the broadleaf weeds gone. And if you are feeding lawns, make sure you put on a lawn fertiliser because putting on agricultural fertiliser is just going to force the grass. So don't, you know, don't put on 10, 10, 20 or 5, 5, 10 or, right. or a, you know, a, Because a, otherwise you'll be out mowing every few days. You'll kill yourself mowing yeah. and you're also encouraging um, the rougher type grasses, the wilder grasses to grow. So lawn grasses, they're a different blend and a different mix. So you, they, they, need, they need certainly nutrition, but they need it in a slow release form. So a lawn, a proper lawn fertilizer is what I would use. Don't, don't worry about a, a weed killer, moss killer this time of year. Just get yourself a straight spring and summer lawn feed and put that on. Give it a couple of days. It'll green everything up. It'll make the weeds more susceptible. You put on the clover lawn weed killer and within a couple of days, it'll have got rid of it. Okay, great. Good luck with that. Particularly when they had a lovely lawn last summer. It'd be nice to Yeah, yeah, just to keep to on top of it and keep it neat. Yeah, mm. yeah. Now, somebody said green beach hedge about 14 months ago. Okay. Long grass growing in between it now. And they're just wondering, would uh, would you call it established yet in order that to use fusillade yes. or what would you suggest? No, no. Once it's in a year, yeah. there's no problem at all. And if grass is growing at the base, with fusillade, apply it now and that'll get rid of the grass without damaging your beach hedge. Okay. Do keep an eye, as I mentioned before, on the beach hedge just for that white aphid. You know, just oh, yes. tr- yeah, keep turn the back of the leaves because we're into that time of year again for green fly aphids, black flies, that type of thing. Everything but, is out in abundance. Yeah, but in terms of in terms of the fuselage, no problem whatsoever. Good time to do it. Okay. And somebody is wondering, um, how do you get rid of Japanese knotweed? Oh, it's, our old friend. Right, yeah. it's in an area of their garden that they want to plant shrubs in. Well, Japanese knotweed, you'll see it actually growing along by the, um, do you know the plant? Well, I, off the top of my head, well, no. You, you know, once you see it, once <laughs> I you have, I was out uh, weeding through my own hedging uh, last Sunday, and now there was a selection of weeds. Right. I, have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I would say of probably the more gentler type because Japanese right. knotweed is one of these ornamental plants that, that was cleverly planted in gardens, um, you know, maybe twenty years ago and okay. escaped from gardens. Ah, right. And it's it's a very it's actually now classed as an invasive weed in in many countries. Um, so it's grows very, very rapidly. At this time of year, it would probably be nearly five or six feet tall. Okay. And uh, probably grows nearly a foot, maybe a foot and a half per month. So it's a very vigorous plant. It's herbaceous. It dies to nothing in the winter. And then by February, March, it starts to grow. And you'll actually see it now along roadways and, uh, you know, public areas. You, you'll notice it now. Yeah. The next time you see it, you'll say, oh, that's what he was on about. Because yeah. it's very, very vigorous, uh, very, very fast growing. Um, flowers its head off I have to say from July August September and it's a great plant for bees bees okay. love it um, so it's a great plant if you have bees in the garden but this is a plant that I would get out of the garden if you can because it's very invasive it spreads by underground stems it also spreads by seed and it can be very difficult to eradicate now the way to get rid of it is as I say it's about four or five feet high this time of year you need to cut it back to about two feet and it's actually got hollow stems so when you cut the stem, it's like a bamboo stem. Right, it's got right? a hole in the middle it's of it. It's got a hole right down through the centre. And what you need to do is to inject it, that hollow stem, with a strong concentration of Roundup. So you actually squirt it in to get a little syringe and actually put the treatment into the hollow stems. It sounds a bit tedious, but it's well it worth does. doing it because it's a very difficult weed right. to eradicate. So it's gone straight down to the, the main root Correct. As such. And Roundup will work in that way. It's it's translocated. It, it's absorbed into the sap of the plant and goes right down into the root system and kills from the root upwards. Okay. So that's Japanese knotweed. It's very distinctive. You will know it if you have it in the garden. The stems tend to be reddish in colour. When you cut them, they're hollow um, and it's a very vigorous plant. So my advice is, is 
pay attention to it, get rid of it out of your garden because if you allow it to spread, you know, it, it can be very invasive. It can grow up through other plants and become cause a complete mess in the garden. Right. And and because of its height, I mean it will grow to six, seven, eight feet, no problem whatsoever in one in one year. So that's poly- polygonum is the botanical name, which is Japanese knotweed. Um my advice is to cut it back to two or three feet, inject the Roundup right. mix and you could use straight Roundup or you could use a 50-50 water okay. Roundup mix into the actual hollow stems and that will uh, eradicate the the, the um, Japanese right. knotweed. Okay, gosh. Right. <coughs> we better... Uh, that, that Keep sounds, on top it, of that one. Yeah. That would be my advice. Yeah. That sounds, get, get rid first before you go planting anything else yes, anyway. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, lots of questions. You can keep them coming in to us. We're here until 10 o'clock. Now, Porrick, we have loads and loads of questions uh, for you. So let's continue on. Where yeah. were we now? We have done the Japanese knotweed. Tomato plants. Right. Now, somebody has tomato plants. They're in a grow bag and they're doing well and right. growing. So that's great. Right. Um, do they need to give it a feed before flowers appear or when should they be feeding well, it? There's no harm to give it, say, you know, an occasional feed at this time of year. But the main time to start feeding tomatoes is when the fruit starts to form. So wait until the flower, wait until the first fruitlets uh, are visible and they'll be about the size of a marble and then that's the trigger to start feeding them once a week with tomorite. So there's no harm whatsoever giving it a feed just to keep it nice and green um, but really the key time to f- feed tomatoes is once the flower actually forms its fruitlet and it's about the size of a marble and then that's the trigger to feed every week um, and use a good tomato fertiliser. The other thing I would say with tomatoes, make sure you're taking out the side shoots at this time of year. So between the main stem and the leaf axle, there are little side shoots that are produced. Remove those and you want to keep an eye on those every week to remove them. So you end up with a nice central stem with the leaves and flowers coming off. Um, And the other thing with grow bags is they're fine at this time of year, but yeah. when we get into the, the main peak of the summer, you'll find that the grow bags will dry out very, very rapidly. So again, if you could get a long tray, you can buy, purchase long trays that fit under the tomato plants and you water into the tray and the, the grow bag sucks the water up from the tray. So if you're growing from grow bags, in my experience, they can be very difficult July, August, September when the fruit are forming, they dry out very, very rapidly, as you can imagine, and they're difficult to water. So if you can sit them into some long tray or some type of vessel that you can put the water into it and the, the grow bag will suck the water up from, from underneath that. Right. But apart from that, no, the listener seems to be doing everything proper. Okay, good. Which is great. Hopefully you'll have a bumper, bumper crop of crop. tomatoes. Well, if, if tomatoes are outside, remember that they do suffer from potato blight. So if you have tomatoes out of doors, then uh, give them a, a lick of, of the Bordeaux mixture just to keep them safe. If they're in a glass or tunnel, then blight shouldn't be a problem. Okay. Lovely. Now, somebody's wondering what to do about their trees. They planted dozens of alders and birch and lately they've started to die. Now, the odd thing that's happening from the tip down or from the top down, I guess it is. Dying from can, the top down, yeah, yeah, you can see the plants are brown to within inches of the ground where they're still green and uh, the person, Frank, good morning, is wondering what's the problem? Well, Frank, it depends on, on what I would do, first of all, is examine the, the actual, uh, these are probably young birch, they're um, saplings, they're, you know, maybe two feet high, three feet high when he planted them. Um, 
check first of all has the, the tree died from the tip back and you can simply do that by scraping the bark so maybe a foot 18 inches high up off the ground check the actual stem of the bark just scrape back the the outer bark if it's green inside then they'll reshoot again if it's gone brown well the actual tree itself has died to that level um, and if that's the case you're going to need to replace those plants my guess is it's it's a case of you know remember that the spring has been very damaging on plants mm-hmm. um, a lot of wind a lot of cold conditions through March and April, uh, it hasn't been the ideal start, particularly for young trees and, you know, it sounds as if the trees have suffered from that during that period but to check them, just simply scrape the the stem of the bark if it's green inside, then they'll reshoot again if it's not, those plants have failed Okay, right Right. And there isn't a disease of of birch or elder. It's not that the, the it's not something specific that is going to be treated yeah. as such. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, somebody, the leaves on their laurel hedge are being bored, and some are going brown. It's only a year old. Okay. Well, it's shot hole fungus because I have experience of this go, myself. You're yeah. good at this. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing, you'll be getting a certificate. Um, yeah, it is. It is shot hole yeah. fungus. Yeah, which is um, basically it's it's more it's more a condition of the growing conditions of laurel. If the grow the plants aren't growing well, you get this symptom or this damage mm. called shot hole fungus. So it's 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 not necessarily a pest or disease problem. It's growing a growing condition particularly if they're not growing well yeah so my advice really is to feed those laurel why are they not growing well they're either the soil conditions are poor because laurels have put on tremendous growth oh yeah in the last I, and i have to say mine are just flying yeah. it but i have one plant that isn't but every, all the rest of them and are. You, you probably have a bit of, you may have a bit of shadow flungus on that plant it, oh, it, it does how yeah it has well, the little holes in it and yeah. it's a bit yellow looking yeah and and it's it's really just down to uh, a nutritional problem so again the laurel should be free from weed or grass at the base of it so it should be nice and clean get yourself a nice granulated fertilizer or a liquid fertilizer apply that now you want to encourage the plants to green up and grow and they'll grow out of that condition Mm. so you'll get shot hole fungus on laurels when they're under stress they're not growing well they're in poor soil there's something the matter then the the shot hole fungus becomes a problem if it's growing healthy then it doesn't become an issue yeah it grows out of it in other words so it's it's a case really of feeding the plants and again this sort of weather is ideal for feeding any plant, trees, shrubs, hedging, put on some granulated fertiliser now, boost them on. Even if they're healthy, I would still give them a bit of feed because they're in the main growing period now. Yeah. And growth will stay strong until the end of June and then it'll stop. So right. now is the time to be feeding them during okay. the, the, the strong growing period. Yeah. So, because uh, I have personal interest in this, I'm asking yeah, as well. So, uh, uh, my plant, the one that is dodgy looking, yeah. is no has no growth on it. If I feed it, it's not going to die. I was, well, I'm wondering, will it die? Well, I would be if it, if it was my garden. I yeah. would say, look at I, if it was only one plant. Yeah, I would take that plant out and I put in a nice young, healthy plant. Right. I'll bring you up one next week. <laughs> I got hold it to that right. now. <laughs> and take it out and start again and maybe yeah. redo the soil. Yeah. you know, there's obviously something the matter in that particular either the. Soil soil is poorer, there's some issue with, with, with or, the, uh, yeah, or there may, be, may have been an issue with one of the plants in, originally yeah. but I would take it out uh, if it's only one plant, replant and a fresh plant again and start it off so it's going to keep up with the rest of the hedge. Yeah. But in this case if it's, a, if it's a long hedge with a lot of shot hole fungus then you need to feed those plants get it rid of any weeds or grass that might be at the base and that's going to compete with the, hor- the laurel hedge feed it with a granulated fertiliser a tree and shrub feed or something like sudden impact applied now with the rain coming within a week or ten days you should see lots of fresh growth coming on those plants. Okay. 
Okay, well, Remind hopefully it's, it's, getting, it's getting it's getting lots of love and care, and I'll tell you, it's being well fed. But so yeah, far, yeah. But you just take that one out. Yeah, I mean, if it's not. Uh, if you've it's done not all responding of, all that well. Yeah, and if you've done all of that, mm. then just take the plant out, replant it, replant a fresh one, and it'll, it'll yeah. you know, because the rest be of them fine. are great. Yeah. Okay, well, with that person as well, good luck, because I think the two of us are on a similar project with the laurels at the moment. Somebody has a large tub full of Italian parsley, but the leaves and stems are going a reddish colour. They can't see any pests on the leaf and they're wondering what would be the matter. Well, remember that, that um, Italian parsley and all parsley, uh, celery, parsnips, coriander, dill, fennel, they're all in the carrot family. Oh, right. Right, they're all in the one family. And reddish stems, particularly on carrots or in this case on parsley, is a sign of carrot root fly. Early signs of carriage root fly, which you know, as we get into late May, June, you're going to see carriage root fly being be, be certainly being a problem. So yeah. the carriage root fly is not fussy; it'll attack your parsley, it'll attack your celery, it'll attack parsnips, carrots, dill, fennel, and so on. So that's typical symptoms of carriage root fly damage because it's in a pot, it's obviously contained, and the carriage root fly can actually do what it wants to the roots of the plant. So right. it's attacking the roots of the parsley at the moment. Um, Again, all you need to do is to get some of the super nemos, the the um, the treatment I mentioned for the last week or so. So a box of super nemos, mix them up in water, apply them into the container, and that will get rid of the carrot root fly overnight. Okay. So the, the, the parsley will grow back out of it again. If it's gone, if the parsley, which my own has at the moment, has gone very kind of leggy and very f- um, lots of foliage on it, you could actually cut it back as well because it'll regenerate itself again. So you could actually put on the Super Nemo's, leave it for a couple of days, trim back the parsley, give it a feed and that'll encourage lots of fresh new growth uh, into the parsley and it'll be perfectly okay. But it's that's typical carriage root fly damage. Okay, because parsley usually grows without grows any no huge bother. amount of attention. No bother. And it tends not to get... Although I, I saw another question in there this morning yeah. that somebody had aphids on their, their parsley, which again, you can get... Um, no, again, you know, if you're using the parsley, my advice is just to wash the aphids off and not to be using any insecticides. Um, but but really, carrot root fly can attack. We tend to think it only attacks carrots, but it actually can attack anything in that family. Right. And, and in the wintertime, it overwinters on uh, weeds that are in the carrot root family. So you know, it's 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 anything that's in that family will be can be attacked and will be can be attacked by carriage root fly. Okay. So that's it's typical symptoms: the reddishing of the stems, the plant not growing well. That's typical carriage root fly damage. So your super is mixed in water, applied, will kill them within a couple of days. Okay, and <laughs> and it's safe to use in that you can use that parsley. You know, as soon as the fresh growth comes on them, there's no contamination, there's no chemicals in the super yeah. yeah, exactly. Now, what fertilizer would you use on rhubarb? I would use, again, at this time of year, and, and we talked about this last we week did, where yeah. the rhubarb was struggling. It mm. actually has come back great in the last week. If people, if they look at the rhubarb, I think they'll find a lot of fresh growth coming great. back in the plants. Um, I would use Vitex Q4 as a very good granulated feed for rhubarb. Um, simply apply it, again, before wet weather, and within a week or 10 days, the, the, you get lots of fresh growth coming on the rhubarb. So look for that one, Vitex Q4. It's used on vegetables and fruit in particular. Okay. Now, somebody's wondering, do you need to spray colleen early potatoes for blight? Well, colleen are blight resistant. Oh, right. Right? Now, resistant doesn't mean they're blight proof. <laughs> <laughs> so, my advice really would be, particularly with the sort of conditions we're getting, if it was in, a, 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 you know, an, a summer where it was very dry and, and, and no issue with blight, I'd say no, none yeah. at all, leave the colleen. But colleen and oral are two Irish varieties. They have been bred for their blight resistance. But having said that, if you are giving 
the rest of your potatoes a treatment of uh, Promoximil or, or Bordeaux mixture, I would treat the colleen as well. Um, so, you know, it depends really. If if they're coming close to being ready to use, then, you know, you, you needn't spray them. You know, it, you, could, you could just take the, the, the chance. Um, so having said that, they are resistant to blight, but they're not blight proof. Okay. So to keep them totally protected, I would Give consider the- giving them a, a light spray. Yeah, I would. Okay. Somebody's wondering, are cucumbers easy to grow? Some tips, please. They have uh, tomatoes growing in the greenhouse and is there anything else they yeah, can no, plant in there they're, now? They're as easy to grow as, as tomatoes. The one thing, the one tip with cucumbers is, first of all, make sure you purchase female varieties. Okay. Right? Because if there's male flowers on them, they tend to be bitter if they're pollinated. So look for a female variety of cucumber. Um, the second thing is to watch the watering. The stems tend to be very uh, soft and if you overwash them, you can... The, the, the stems can rot, particularly as young plants. So right. just be careful about the watering. My advice is to look for grafted uh, cucumbers. You can, you can buy varieties that have been grafted onto a rootstock which make them more robust and more vigorous and you tend to get a lot more cucumbers for them but it's a great time to plant them cucumbers, melons, tomatoes they can, they're all available in plants now and they can be planted this time of year you'll get your cucumbers uh, probably mid-July, late July and they tend to produce them one a week Right, and they can. They, they. I remember they were grown at home once, and oh, yeah, they're, they're and they produce a great crop, a fantastic yeah. crop, a fantastic yeah. crop, and they're as easy to grow and um, in probably a, even a tad easier than tomatoes, and that you don't have to be taking out the side stems and so on with them. They're actually very easy to grow. Do give them a, a good support because you can imagine when the weight of the when fruit the, yeah, come on them to, yeah. can break the stems, but they're very easy. They're available in plants at the moment. The plants are probably you know six to eight inches high, so they'll start, certainly start to fruit by. The middle of July, late July, and you'll get fruit right up till October from cucumbers. About one a week, so yeah, like lots maybe. of cucumber you relish. Will. You will indeed, <laughs> which yeah. is lovely. Um, now, somebody has um, they're looking the raised wall planter bed around the patio, okay. and they'd like a small low hedge about inch, a couple of inches high. Uh, would you have any suggestions? Well, if it's if it's a raised bed, the, the one thing I would think about is. Um, is lavender would be lovely in this? Oh, yes, indeed. You know, and I was in bloom during the week. I was up there on Wednesday right, doing yes. a, just uh, doing a bit of recording, and uh, lots of lavender used this year in, in bloom. All different colours, all different varieties. But that would make a lovely low hedge. Um, lavender will grow in height of about twelve to eighteen inches in height. Um, similar sort of diameter. It flowers, as you know, mm. nearly from now right through to the end of the summer. And in, a, in the one thing that lavender dislikes is wet soil. But the fact that this is a raised wall planter it's going to be very free draining. So it'll actually suit the lavender. Make sure that the soil that you put in is more of a kind of a sandy, gravelly type mixture. So make sure there's, add some sand to, to topsoil if you're putting, if you're using topsoil, just have it very free draining because right. lavender will love that. Right. So that's what I would go for, a nice lavender hedge. Um, flowers all summer, lovely f- scented foliage and then leave the pruning back until April of the following year. So every April prune it back. And you'll have a lovely smell. Ah, it'll be lovely. Yeah. It'll be lovely. Fabulous. And, uh, uh, a raised planter, yeah, ideal. Okay, um, now somebody is looking for a good variety of flowering clematis to plant at the base of their climbing roses. They want something to flower from June to August. Well, it's a great time to plant um, summer flowering clematis. They're going to be coming into flower very, very soon. Um, what would I go for? I'd go for, there's a lovely variety called Crystal Fountain, um, which is a very large flowering variety. It's just coming into flowering flower at the moment. Um, 
it's where are the where are they planting it up through a hedge through their roses through roses climbing, climbing roses, roses yeah. right well crystal fountain would be ideal because it only grows to about five feet in height five to six feet it's not a very tall variety so it's not going to swamp the climbing rose um so that would be quite a quite a nice one other varieties like Nelly Moser Hagley hybrid would be good uh, Rouge Cardinal is a nice red variety so any of those for me would be uh, Rouge Cardinal Hagley Hybrid and Nelly Moser will be more taller varieties up to about six or seven feet so Crystal Fountain if you want something kind of four, five, six feet in height mm. it's got very large blue flowers very nice variety very long flowering and if you plant it now it'll come into flower over the next couple of weeks and should stay in flower till October late September, October right. so Crystal Fountain beautiful navy blue colour uh, but there's lots of varieties and it's a really good time to plant clematis in the garden and you will get flower colour this year. Okay. Now from clematis to cabbage, uh, what <laughs> cabbage seed should someone, should someone sow? Oh, goodness, I'm getting a tongue twister here. Um, for cabbage to use in autumn and winter, they have plenty of the summer types, but they're looking for okay. la- later <clears throat> in the year. Well, three varieties I would go for. First of all, they want to sow them from seed, do they? Uh, <clears throat> yes, please. Okay, so there's a variety called mini coal. Mini coal, which is a nice small headed cabbage, um, very good variety. You can sow it any time of year, but now is actually a very good time to sow it. Uh, and you'll get heads of small round cabbage suitable for maybe two or three people uh, from October, November, December. Mini coal is a variety that doesn't run to seed. So oh, once right. it forms its head, it actually just sits there and can be cut right through the winter period and is very win- winter tolerant. There's another good variety called tundra. Uh, and it's very tough if we got the sort of weather that we got two, two years, years ago, ago yeah. tundra would actually stand up to that it's right. a large headed cabbage uh, very solid head again the heads stay very firm through the winter period so mini coal very good variety tundra um, and also the savoy cabbages you can buy them from plants at this time of year mm-hmm. so they'll be ready kind of early autumn or if you sow them from seed uh, you'll have cabbage from October, November, December, you know, right through to the following April. Right. So they're, they're, so mini coal, tundra, tundra. and the savoy, the f- savoy okay. cabbages, if you look for those. Um, there's another good variety called April. And if you sow it kind of mid-June, it'll be ready for February, March, April sort of period. So you could literally have cabbage right from autumn. the year. Exactly. But again, going back to what I said at the beginning of the programme, a really good time to sow plants from seed, be it the vegetable plants or flowering plants, because you've got the soil conditions, the temperatures, they're ideal at the moment. Okay, great. Now, leeks, Porrick. Yes, Any leeks. advice on how to grow them, literally? How to stop them. Uh, <laughs> No, please. I've sowed a packet, this person has sowed a packet of Musselberg variety seed. They're about six inches high in trays. What do they do next? Well, Musselberg must be one of the oldest varieties. Oh, okay. Uh, It's around for years and years and years. From memory, I think it's a Scottish variety. Uh, But anyway, Musselberg, it's a really good variety of leek, very tough, very hardy. Um, Have they sown them? Do they sell them? Did you say this? Oh yeah, they're growing. Yeah, right. they're uh, yeah. They have the seed variety. They're six inches high in right, trays. Perfect. What do they do next? Right. Well, what you do is you simply. Uh, when you're planting leeks you actually they're different to many plants that you transplant so you take them from the trays you actually trim off some of the roots so tidy up the roots and prepare the soil well you want a nice ridge of soil leeks are actually very hungry plants they're in the onion family and onions and leeks tend to because of the kind of scaly growth they make they need lots of nutrition so again I would put in the Vitex Q4 fertilizer into the plant into the soil before planting them so once you've that done the bed uh, ready rake off the soil and then get a large dibber something about the the kind of size of a a brush handle 
and make a hole in the ground and you simply drop the leek uh, vegetable into that and make sure that you put it down four to five inches deeper than what it was sown in the tray. Right. So they're different to most vegetables that you'd plant at the same level as what you sow them at. So you actually allow them to drop into the hole that you create, fill it with water and the water will carry some of the soil down around the leek. So you simply prepare the bed, put on the Vitex Q4 fertilizer, rake that in, make a hole with a ha- brush handle, a um, circular hole and drop the leek uh, plant, the young plant, into it, making sure that the stem is covered by about three to four inches um, in depth. So it, it's actually going down deeper than it was in the seed tray. Space the plants at least a foot apart right. and uh, water them in well and that will allow some of the, the, the soil to go in around the base of the leek. The other tip then is as it's growing, so as we get into July and August, start to earth them up, which means dragging some soil up around the stem of the plant and that helps to blanch the leek. You know when you buy the leeks in the shop and they've got nearly a foot of white yes, stem? Yes, That's a thing called blanching where the light is excluded from leeks. And you can either, you can do two things. You can either draw soil up around the stems mm-hmm. every couple of weeks or you could put something like a little bit of cardboard around the base of the leek and that excludes the light from the stem and you get this beautiful white stemmed leek, long white stemmed leek. Now leeks are dead easy to grow. You could also sow them from seed. You can still sow seed right. at this time of year for leeks because you use them traditionally through the winter, spring. So they're a very hardy vegetable. You don't harvest them like onions. You leave them in the ground growing through the winter period. And as you want them, you go out to the garden and take your leek. So the, the, the flavour improves the longer they're left in the ground. Oh, right. A bit like parsnips. Okay. So leeks, you'll often have them in the garden in February and March and April of the following year and you'll be using them right through the winter period. So, great time to transplant the plants, the fact that they're six inches high, but it's also a great time to sow seed from leeks and you do exactly the same thing that I mentioned there. Right. You you um, sow them in a little seed tray and then transplant them, but make sure they go into the hole and they're dropped at three or four inches down. deeper down, yeah, yeah in the, so that you're beginning to cover the stem and you're creating that nice white coloration on the stem during the growing season. Okay. But very easy to grow, very hardy vegetable, but they, are, they do need lots of nutrition. So I would put the Vitex Q4 fertilizer in um, when planting them and give them an occasional liquid feed as well. Okay. Somebody ha- their mother loves the cottage garden lupin flower. Right. And uh, they're wondering, uh, is it difficult to grow? And if they planted them now, when will they flower? Well, you can you can actually get them now uh, just coming into flower. It's actually a great time to, to buy lupins because the, the flowers are just beginning to, to open. Um, so if you want a nice blue variety or red variety, you can actually, you know, if you go to the, your local garden centre, they should have lupins just coming into bloom. So first of all, it's a great time to plant them. Great time to purchase them because you can buy the colour that you want. Um, and if you plant them now they're going to flower you know they're going to come into flower and flower for the summer so good time to plant them good time to purchase them it's also a good time to sow them from seed right if you want um, lupins for next year great time the midsummer is the time to sow them from seed okay so you may have some for this year yeah, and for next yeah year. but a great time to, to put them into the garden and they will flower if you buy fairly strong plants they will flower this year okay now somebody planted two year trees last august yeah their deep green color has faded and okay. they're wondering what can they add to get their deep green color to return and will the same be true for pine trees with yellowing needles right well first of all it's a great time to feed thuyas and conifers in general and remember they're, they're actively growing at this time of year now the, t- the color tends to be lighter in the young growth so do right. expect a kind of a, a slightly more 
uh, brighter shade of colour, uh, greener, you know, I suppose a, a lighter, paler shade of, of colour mm. during the growing season. So that's the first thing. If they're going to go in yellowing and they're just an off colour, then a feed will help to, to rectify that. So get yourself a tub of tree and shrub feed or sudden impact applied to the base of the plant again before the rain is promised and that you green them up and give them a, a really nice colour. And remember that Kuyas in particular go, go more bronzy, darkish, greenish colour in the winter period. You know, right. the, they do change. So it's yeah, but if it if it is looking yellowish, limpish, not growing well, then certainly a, a, a tree and shrub feed will help that. Lovely. Now somebody's wondering, do you should you remove the dead flowers from lilac trees? Well, it's you don't have to do it, but you can certainly do it. You know, you can trim off the old flowers uh, if you want. Um, again lilacs are still in bloom so I would leave them alone for certainly the next two weeks but if you wish if you wanted to do that you could certainly nip them back it's a good time to prune them it's also a good time to take cuttings from lilacs as well Right. Midsummer is a great time to take a little cuttings from them. And that's funny because the next question is about cuttings and can you take cuttings of roses now? Yes, you can take and it's it, roses, uh, lilacs, um, you know, any of the any of the kind of fuchsias, spireas, mallows, all those sort of uh, summer flowering plants. It's a great time to take cuttings of them. Take small cuttings though, only about four or five inches high. Strip off the leaves, a little bit of rooting powder, put them into a half, into a mixture of half compost, half sand, cover with a polythene bag and leave them on a windowsill and cuttings should root within about 10 to 14 days at this time of year so an excellent time to do them but do take small cuttings right and same applies to the roses exactly the same procedure okay now somebody has a copper beech hedge planted three years it's doing really well and they're wondering can they prune it slightly well, you can prune it if you wish, but why, why do you need to prune it? I would only prune it unless there's branches going in a direction that you don't want them to go. Remember that copper beech is very slow growing, so don't be in a habit of cutting it back too much. Okay. Um, just allow it to grow. If, if there's a wayward branch, maybe tie it back into the hedge rather than cutting it off. Um, so normally the pruning of copper beech is done in the winter period uh, when the leaves have gone off, so kind of November, December, right through to February, March sort of period. If you want to give it a light nip, snipping back, there's no problem whatsoever. You can do that. But do remember, they're very slow growing. So um, I would just be, you know, cautious about taking too much of it, okay. particularly when it's young. Right. Now, someone is wondering, can our, can our melotox be put on tarmac and does it kill moss? Yes, our melotox is, a, is kind of used as a, as a wash of tarmac or paving slabs where you have got algae or mosses on them. So the answer is yes, you can. You can mix it with water and apply it. And today would be a good day to do that. Okay. Uh, the leaves on a magnolia tree, they're going brown. What can you do to remedy that? Well, give it, give it, uh, magnolias, remember, are in the um, ericaceous family and they like the kind of similar conditions to, to our rhododendrons and azaleas. So give it an ericaceous feed at this time of year, um, granulated feed, apply it now, repeat in about a month's time and that'll that'll green it up and, and bring it back into colour again. Magnolias can be a bit sensitive to... Um, you know, growing conditions, particularly if we get kind of cool conditions or, or not the ideal growing conditions, the young foliage can be go brown. So just give it a good feed and it'll be fine. Okay, lovely. Now, somebody is wondering if there's any seed that you can get that you can sow in stones or I suppose a rocky area really uh, that they have around the patio for a bit of colour. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want colour this year, I would go for a couple of the plants I mentioned already. Candy Tuff would be very good. Um, there is, and I should maybe say this with a word of caution, there okay. is a plant called um, Limnanthus, the poached egg plant, which spreads very rapidly. It will cover a very large area very quickly, but can be a bit invasive. Mm. Um, you know, So that would be one for a big area if you wanted to cover it very quickly. Um, creeping nasturtiums would be lovely for a bit of colour this year. You could also sow some seed of perennial plants, plants 
dancer come every year yeah. and now is a good time to do that so Obrisha, Arabus, Saxifraga Sedums, there's lots of plants that are perennial, Campanula which is in flower, lovely blue flower at the moment in Rockrees, that can be sown from seed at this time of year, now any of the perennial plants will flower next spring or summer, right. so you sow them from seed now and the flower the following spring and summer and the flower every year after that, so look for the alpines or perennial rockery plants there's a wide range available and you can sow from seed but also consider putting in some seed that will flower this year so candy tuft creeping nasturtiums would be nice the dwarf varieties um, white alisum for example would be very good um, mimulus you could still from, sow from seed so there's quite a bit of plants that could be sown from seed directly into the soil that would flower this year and also put in some perennial plants that will flower uh, over the next couple of years so abrisha campanulas arabus those sort of plants okay. they're easy from seed now, someone put in a plum tree this year um, and there's <clears> something small is eating the leaves. They're wondering, would we have any idea what that well, might be? Well, I mean, there, there are several uh, pests that can attack uh, plum trees, in particular mm. uh, sawflies and caterpillars and so on. Again, use a something like a bug clear will, will eliminate uh, any foliage or pests on, on uh, plums or fruiting trees in general. So bug clear, mix it with water, put it on in the evening time and that will eradicate any foliar pests. Now, if there's an odd little bit of leaf, uh, don't worry your head about it. Yeah. You know, plums are, are vigorous and they'll grow out. Same with pears and apples. If there's an extensive damage, then I'd put the bug clear on, put it in the evening time and that'll eradicate any, any pests that might be on it. Okay. And last question, uh, and it's about hanging baskets. Oh, so lovely. somebody is wondering, is it okay to put the hanging baskets in the window boxes outside at this stage? They've been growing in their tunnel for the past three weeks. Lots of flowers on them now. Great. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an ideal time to put them out. Remember, with, with what I, with a couple of tips with them is make sure that you keep them well watered obviously um, feed them once a week now with a high potash feed so something like one or a, uh, a tomato feed would be ideal for hanging baskets and the, the, the last tip I'd give is to pinch back the growing points so any of the kind of trailing petunias or fuchsias or geraniums that are trailing out of the basket at the moment pinch back the little growing points because that'll encourage extra side branching on the plants and you'll get more flower from them. So just before you hang them up or sit them on the windowsill, pinch back those growing tips and that will increase the amount of side branches you'll get and the amount of flower that you're going to get throughout the summer. And really the only thing from now on is to keep them well watered and well fed. Okay. And they'll be beautiful. Remember there's lots of information on the website too, dear yep. gardencentre.ie, all the weekly gardening jobs are there. I've also put on a blight uh, information leaflet if people want to read up on blight yeah, and what to I, use. I, I know we did talk about it at the start of the programme but there are a number of questions about specific uh, types of potatoes and so maybe that would be a good idea yeah. if people have a, you know, yeah. a specific question so they might have a look at that and they'll probably get the information the, there. Yeah, go on to the, the, the when you go onto the homepage the blog is on the right hand side click onto the blog and there's lots of information there and lots of tips on what to do in the garden over the next couple of weeks. Okay, well it's a long weekend so we'll sure have lots is. of opportunity make, hopefully. Make use of it. Okay, Porik, listen, Thanks thank you very much indeed. Good morning to you and indeed to uh, all of you for tuning our way and for listening. Stand by. Michael Neary is up after the news at 10. I'm back next week just after the news at 7 o'clock and indeed gardening from 9 until 10 as usual with Porik. Until then, have yourselves a wonderful bank holiday weekend. Good morning to you.